1: Welcome to Recovery Sort Of. We're here again. It's Jason and, of course, Billy. Hey, how's it going, listeners? And, uh, man, so some interesting stuff this week. We we got a couple of emails, which was awesome. I, I feel like, and it's not so much awesome. I mean, it is cool that people are listening. I'm not going to say it's not, but it's, it's less about, hey, look how awesome we are that people listen to us. It's more like, damn, man, it is really fun to be a part of conversations about things that interest me. And guess what? Recovery does interest me. It's a... Uh, a big part of my life. And then, you know, along with those couple of emails, just the interactions that I've, I've been able to start having on Twitter, which I don't know why the fuck I didn't at any point in time, just start a Twitter and talk to people in recovery, but it never occurred to me. And and now that it's become a thing, it's, it's pretty damn awesome. Um, so one of the things that, that came up and a lot's going on this morning, I happened to go on Twitter and I came across a post that mentioned that you know uh and i think it's specifically referred to alcoholics but just any person i imagine with addiction that could be stigmatizing to be referred to as being in recovery um and i took a little bit of exception to that uh from my standpoint and i i looked up the definition and screenshotted it and started a, a polite conversation i believe i wasn't trying to you know start an argument or, or be mean to anyone i acknowledged that i could understand how they felt um But I felt like I was on the other side of that. Like, I think being in recovery is pretty empowering to me, Um, not stigmatizing. And so, you know, they pointed out that in the definition I gave them, which uh, hold on, I can actually look up the definition for you just so I don't say the wrong words. I don't have to paraphrase. So the definition that I put was a return to a normal state of health, mind or strength. And I think what I was trying to say, like their original post was about if you say you're in recovery, then you must have said that you were struggling to return to this normal state. And I was pointing out that I, I don't feel like I'm struggling and the definition doesn't say I need to be. Um, so they you know, commented back and said that that would mean that at some point I would have had to have been in a subnormal or abnormal state to need to return to a normal state. And I I do see what they're saying there, right? Like I get that side of it. Um, I still, for me, I don't think it applies. Like I needed to make a change in my life uh, in order to get to recovery because I was in a not optimal state. It was not where I wanted to be anymore. I I get how the word normal kind of sucks that it's (laughs) thrown in there, but it definitely wasn't the state I wanted to be in. I wanted a change of state to a different state and that was the state of being in recovery for me. Um, and so for me, I find it empowering to say, Hey, there's this portion of my life that was shit. And then, you know, thankfully through whatever you want to call it, miracles, my own work, whoever you're talking to has their own opinion. I call it a higher power. I was guided to a place where it's way better.
0: Yeah. And some of this language gets tricky. Um, You know, are we recovering, recovered? Are we in recovery? Hmm. Um, I I think for me, a lot of it is the context of who we're talking to, what Hmm. the conversation is, where we're at and what's going on Um, in, you know, recovery meetings and 12 step meetings. It's common to say you're a person in recovery. It seems to me if you're going to meetings to maintain a healthy state of mind from whatever addiction or whatever other reason you're going to meetings, um, you obviously don't feel like you're done or you're, I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe your ego tells you that you're done and you're just there to help everyone else. I don't know. For me, <laughs> I go because I feel like I need to continue to go there to continue to grow and change. And there are things that I need to work on. Um, so in that context, I am still in the process of recovery. I'm not done. Um, I also don't feel like at least today, my belief is that I will never be able to, you know, use drugs or alcohol or whatever successfully. Like that's a part of me. That's an issue that I'm going to have to permanently deal with in my life. That Mm. it's, that's never just going to be recovered. That, that part of me is never going to be fixed. And that next week I'll be able to go drink and manage that successfully. It's just my belief. So when I say I'm, you know, in recovery or recovering, like that's what I'm referring to. Um, Now, in different conversations, I may address that a little differently. Um, I know there's been some things around the sort of peer recovery movement with recovery languaging and things like that. Um, First off, I'd like to say why some of this matters. Like, it seems like who cares? You know, we go to meetings, we talk to people in meetings and who cares? And the truth is in meetings, it doesn't really matter, I don't think what we call ourselves or whatever. Um, I don't think it's as important in those conversations. I think where it matters is, you know, in, even in mainstream media now, I mean, you hear every day you're hearing about the opioid epidemic and, you know, different uh, things that, you know, around addiction and treatment and, you know, the maintenance programs and things like that, like that stuff is coming up in mainstream media and, we as a recovery community, recovering, recovering, recovered community, whatever you like <laughs> to call yourself, um, you know, we sort of, I don't want to say I need to be careful, but it's important how we address ourselves. I mean, I have been in recovery for, you know, 19 years. And so, you know, when I go out and represent myself, I don't want to necessarily represent myself as you know, like I have a lot of successful things going on in my life now as a result of recovery. And so depending on the people that I'm talking to in the community, I want to make sure that I get that out there. Like, Hey, you know, at one point I was, a, you know, strung out heroin addict with a couple of DUIs. I had my license taken. I had one of those breathalyzers in my truck. I did time in jail. Like, you know, I did all those things. I was, you know, I was picking up trash off the side of the road, you know, drinking liquor out of liquor bottles off the side of the road. Like those kind of things, that's who I was. And I am so far from that as a result of recovery. Like that is not (laughs) the person that I am, you know, now. It's Um, so
1: funny that I shot like pissy, oily fucking gutter water, (laughs) but I'm like, ew, you drank those bottles? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. You're disgusting, Billy. Yeah. (sighs) And, uh, You know, I
0: like, it's important to me that I convey that message when I'm talking to people about recovery. Now I don't go talking about that shit to like the parents at little league. I wouldn't recommend that even though I'm (laughs) trying to get a good message of recovery out there, but there will be times in conversations or in public, you know, where things come up, um, I often have conversations with people at work about the things I used to do and the things I do now. And as a result of that, some people have reached out to me at different times for different reasons, whether it's for issues with family members or things like that. And so I want to present myself as um, I I hate to use the word successful recovery person because that's, you know, sounds a little bit misleading. But, you know, I am a person that is successfully uh, at least for today, you know, overcoming my struggles that I had with addiction. Right.
1: Yeah. I, so, I mean, you touched on a lot of stuff there. One uh, thing that popped in my head where you said maybe in meetings, the language doesn't matter so much reminded me of when I first got to the 12 step rooms and my first sponsor who, you know, they like to call people like that NA Nazis. I hate to use the word Nazi, uh, <laughs> yeah. very strict NA policing type people. Uh And he was very adamant about the fact that some people would introduce themselves as grateful recovering addicts, and some people were recovering addicts named so-and-so, and and some people were human trash cans named so-and-so, and and he hated that because to him, he said the whole point of just being an addict or just being an alcoholic named such-and-such made us all equal right as soon as the guy with 10 years started being the grateful recovering addict named so and so now the newcomers got to wonder if he's good enough now cuz he am, am I a grateful recovering addict right. right like so i guess the language mattered even there about stigma and and excluding people um so that was one thing you had mentioned the other part i so i get i get you know knowing our audience and maybe I'm gonna, if I'm given a banquet reception uh, speech, which I never will, but if I ever was in front of like important people and not that addicts aren't important, alcoholics, we're all important. Ah, God, there's just no way to say any of this, <laughs> yeah. right? So if I'm giving this speech around a non-recovery community and I'm trying to say it a little different, I almost still don't like changing it though, right? I've It, it almost to me ties into some of the problems in the world today. So I don't have a problem saying, hey, I struggled in you know, drug use and today I'm in recovery and things are different. They're not like that anymore. Whether you want to call it uh, God, a higher power, I call it divine intervention of some sort, right? But some people just think that they like learned some better thinking and that's great. I don't care whatever got us here. I don't have a problem saying I struggled and now I'm here. I equate that to, hey, I've made a mistake in my life and now I don't and and I'm trying to make amends and be better for it, right? But when we just stop being able to admit that we made a mistake, like that's what I think is part of the problem that we deal with. We talk about our politicians and stuff. They're not they don't own mistakes, right? Because they're terrified of stigmatizing themselves, maybe that they made a mistake. So they gotta just continue on making mistakes. Like, why can't we change? Why can't we? get smarter than yesterday and not make the mistakes and admit we were wrong. Like, I don't know. I don't see that as necessarily stigmatizing to say that we were wrong at some point and now we're trying to do something different.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess I'm I'm trying to get back to the room full of people at the banquet thing. I'm trying <laughs> to kind of get an idea. So what I think about is like, all right, if I'm in a, a, a room full of people, let's say it's politicians or police officers or professionals, whatever, that aren't people that are familiar with recovery or addiction so much. They have a general outside view. Like they know the addict is like their, you know, sister's kid that steals all the money or can't come to your house because it'll steal your television. Like that's what they know right. of addiction. And they don't really know much about <laughs> recovery or recovering or, and, and they don't really care. The truth is they don't care what you call yourself. You can right. call yourself whatever you want. They really don't give a shit. So in those settings, I, have you know it's, this is that recovery messaging stuff it's like I call myself I'm a person in long-term recovery and what that means is I've not had a drink or a drug since and then I'll give my clean date and that sort of sets the tone for what that means when I say I'm in recovery um especially nowadays it seems like there's so many different you know quote-unquote you know recovery uh pathways mm-hmm. and it's gotten and I hate to say this but it's almost gotten to a, a Case where you can do almost anything. It's like, well, as long as I'm not shooting dope, I'm in some kind of recovery pathway. Like, well, and I don't know that I agree with that, but whatever. I'm not the judge and jury of that.
1: Definitely better.
0: Yeah, it's better. (laughs) I mean, that's that's that whole harm reduction thing. Like, well, that's great. You're on a, you know, I guess that's a path. Like, say, I don't, I don't know how to be the expert, but that just that, uh, thing of recovery pathways, you know, and a person in recovery like that has gotten to mean so many different things to so many different people, depending on who you're talking to and what program they're in and where they come from. Um, like say when I'm in a meeting, you know, of our fellowship where people know we all have a general idea of what that means. It's different than when I'm in a room full of people, um, even people that work in the addiction field that know that there's 10 or more different pathways of recovery. Right. Um, Just to touch on for a minute, the language in in meetings, even (laughs) like I used to care about that stuff. I don't care about it anymore because uh, obviously, you know, in the particular fellowship, you know, we go to, we have this clarity statement where you're not supposed to identify yourself as an addict and alcoholic and blurring the message and all that stuff. I used to really love that. I hate it now. I hate it. It drives me nuts. Um, And I think almost for the opposite reason or for the same reasons as what you said your previous sponsor said or the mm-hmm. reasons that I hate when people address themselves as cross addicted and dual diagnosis and all these other things, you know, that but my belief now is, cause I used to, it used to bug me. And I used to think we're all addicts. We're just, you know, that's what we are. I'm an addict. My name is blah. This is how you're supposed to say it right. so that we're all the same. What I've learned is, you know, most of the time, new people are the ones coming and saying it weird. If it's people that have been around for a while that are saying it differently, they're doing it on purpose, um, for whatever their motivations are. And I don't really care. Um, But most of the time that trying to overly correct or overly police or overly set rules on people pushes them away more than it pulls them in, especially early on in recovery. I don't give a shit what you call yourself. Just keep coming. You know what I mean? And call yourself dual diagnosis, cross addicted, trash can, whatever you want. (laughs) I don't care. Welcome. Keep coming back. Hopefully I'll see you next week. You'll fix that shit eventually. I don't need to tell you. You'll maybe start to I don't feel know. Awkward. There's a
1: I don't want to. <laughs> would, would they know if I said? You're I mean, gonna really, point out the one example out of how many he's hundreds? Got like Thirty some years yeah, though. But, slippery addict. I won't say yeah. his name, but that's all right. Oh, good old slippery. There's, and he's a good guy. That's yeah. I mean, it's not even so. And here's where I'm at with. There's always one asshole in the bunch.
0: <laughs> like there's just got to be.
1: And he's you know what? He's a recovering asshole. He's mm-hmm. a pretty good dude. Like I don't really yeah. have a problem with him. I like him. Um so uh, with what you just said, I hold on to disliking it, right? I hear it a lot um, in a particular meeting I go to, and it's uh, somewhat newer people, but I feel like newer people that aren't brand new and they're hearing it somewhere and going with it, right? Um, but I I think don't even know if I dislike it anymore personally, or if I just hold on to that thing I was taught earlier <laughs> right? <on>, right? <laughs> kind of like the other day. My daughter uh, got sick at school, and I went and picked her up and brought her home. And later that day, she felt better and wanted to go out to dinner with her grandmother. And my initial reaction was just when I was growing up, if you didn't finish school or go to school because you were sick that day, you didn't do shit that night. You're sick. You've (laughs) got signed up to be sick for the whole day, right? (laughs) Right. And, And so I just, that was my initial gut reaction. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, why? do I really think she's going to start like coming home every day sick if I let her like, (sighs) am I really think I'm rewarding this? I know. I think she feels better and she can go to fucking dinner. It's not a big deal. And so I, I don't even know if I'm holding on to that old information Mm. or if I really care, but there is something about it when I hear it in the meeting that just rubs me wrong. Like motherfucker, I'm not even a grateful recovering addict, right? Even though I believe I am, I'm not going to say I am. So just shut the fuck up and be an addict, right? Just shut up and be an alcoholic. Like, Why do we have to be more different? I know we're terminally unique, right? But that's what keeps us (laughs) killing ourselves. Fatally cool, tragically hip, all that good stuff. Like, I don't know. I struggle with that. But so the whole stigmatizing language I struggle with, right? I get it. I buy in. I don't want to stigmatize a soul. I don't want anybody to have to feel less than. I'm all about it. I'm about the people first language, like someone a person with substance use disorder, not an addict, a person with depression, not a depressed person. Like I, I get it. We're people first. This is one aspect of us, right? I'm all I'm all in on trying to not make people feel bad about things and not say it in ways where it sounds worse or stigmatizes. My problem I, I think that I run into is that at some point. I run out of fucking words, right? Like at some point, somebody's stigmatized or offended by every word. And I'm not trying to say not to be politically correct, right? We're not to be non-stigmatizing. I think we should try. But at some point, what do we call ourselves? If I'm not in recovery, then what the fuck am I? Right? I'm doing <laughs> right. something different than the right. normal average Joe. I put in more effort than the average person. I go to a meeting at night some nights. I don't get to sit home and watch TV. Right, right. I, I can't sit home and watch uh, uh, the Connors or whatever. I got to go to my home group, right? It's like I'm doing something different, and I need a word to describe that. So, what is that word?
0: Yeah, wow. Oh, I'm all on board with recovery,
1: right. recovering, I, recovery. recovery. Yeah, I mean, is there another word, listeners? Tell us. If there's another word. <laughs> right. if I'm doing it wrong. Please right. fill me in. But
0: no, I, you know, I think we tend to get hung up on silly things that aren't as important as we want to make them <laughs> you know,
1: like. it's a real struggle point though because this is like a, a thing I see a lot uh in the politicians can argue about or people who follow politics argue about both sides of this about how we're too politically correct or we're, you know, too worried about language and we can't say this or what can we say? And I'm not I'm not trying to take it there, right? I, I do right. believe in loving people and being kind and compassionate and And really doing our best not to make people feel bad with the way we describe them, right? Um, I just, at some point, yeah, I do run out of words to even describe myself. And I'm like, well, what the fuck am I? I know I'm something different, right? I am not the norm. I I don't claim to be. And I don't really know that I want to be, honestly. I've seen the norm. Like, I'm not impressed. Right.
0: And I look at some of that, too, even with the recovery languaging stuff sometimes of, of like, we're, I hate to say it this way, we're. Wasting energy arguing with, with each other over nuancy things when we should be out arguing with, you know, our politicians or people in local government or people mm. in the community, you know, that are fighting against, you know, opening another recovery center, or opening another halfway house or the people that are right. actively out there. Because they don't give a shit what you call yourself, no matter what you call yourself. You can call yourself whatever you want. They're still going to try to shut down the halfway house. They're still going right. to try to shut down, not have you know, a treatment center, like, you know, those are the people we need to be arguing with, not each other over what names we call ourselves (laughs) and what, you know, how we identify. It's like, we need to have sort of a unified, uh, organized, not organized, but like a unified front of like, you know, we are people that struggle with addiction in whatever names we call ourselves shouldn't really matter that much. You know, take that energy that you spend arguing with, each other about are you cross addicted or dual addicted or in recovery or not recovering or recovered or whatever. And focus that towards people that are the real enemies of progress and the real enemies of, you know, treatment resources coming into the community.
1: Right. No, I agree. If you're if you're somebody out there voting for jails and, and police forces over funding for, you know, recovery centered uh ideas and things that help to get people away from using uh moments then yeah we should we should probably be arguing with you and thankfully it wasn't an argument i saw this i do feel guilty now though because i did jump (laughs) out there to like wait a minute i don't like this twitter idea let me you know confront this individual it wasn't it was a very nice confrontation it wasn't a a mean thing but i do feel like maybe i should have just let them have that opinion and i could have gave them a little heart and then went and bitched at a senator or something instead yeah well
0: and that's the truth of it though is us not taking it to arguments and confrontations because you see groups and and people get divided over this stuff and it's kind of silly from the outside looking in but when you're in the middle of it it feels really relevant and important um but the conversations are fun i mean just like this you know this was like oh this is a fun conversation let's talk about it. it just to to throw ideas out there and see what you know, different people think and to to see what, you know, think through my ideas on stuff. But I think understanding the audience and who you're talking to and, and those things are going to be important in conversations as we talk to people. Um
1: Do you think it's possible that they can find a word to describe anything, any group, anywhere, right? that will not bother someone. And this is where I guess my, my real issue is it's not that I want to stigmatize anybody, but I thought recovery was a pretty sound word. And I've never even I've never taken time to think that maybe it's not right. Maybe it's stigmatizing. It's never even occurred to me. So I'm kind of blown away by it, but say 99.5% of people are good with the word being in recovery. And then there's that 0.5% that's not Is there ever a word that's going to be 100% okay with everybody, right, to to call a group? And at what percentage do you say, all right, look, uh, we just got too many people that are okay with this one. We got to roll with it, right? I'm sorry that there's some some people who don't like it, but we got to roll with it because this is the largest percentage of people that's possibly going to be okay with it. No, they'll never be a word. I
0: mean, we can't even identify ourselves now in singular words for genders or
1: whatever. You know, there's I, how I many different. I to tweet of- that we should just say we're human. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I'm a human being, and my name is Billy. Right. I'm a human. My name is Jason. I mean, it does work. I am. I won't
1: argue. But
0: yeah, it's no. I mean, there's always people that are gonna find. You know, there's always the people in the bunch that want to be different, that want to be unique or or special or take the alternate point of view. And that's good for conversation. You know, it's good to keep us sharp on our toes. I personally am a person that likes hearing counterpoints of view. And Mm. I think it's important to us. I hate like in our typical political dialogue nowadays, it's like you're supposed to hate anyone with an alternate point of view. You're supposed to argue, yell and scream at each like that's to me, is not effective. It's, it's actually uneducated. You know, I become educated in subjects by talking to people about different points of view, yes. trying to be open-minded, trying to look at things from their perspective. Yes. And then I can develop, you know, a fully informed decision. Um, doesn't mean I have to agree with them. In fact, they can say a bunch of things that are intelligent and based on some evidence that they believe is important. And I can still say, well, I really don't agree with that point of view. And here's why. I appreciate where you're coming from. Right. And understanding where they're coming from helps to, um, I don't want to say find better points of argument, but helps to, <laughs> you know, help to sort of possibly bring them around, you know, on, on some of these things.
1: You definitely started there seeming real open-minded <laughs> and, and, and virtuous. And then okay. you were like, yeah, I just want to learn more information so I could fuck them over in the yeah, end. I so was I like, can, oh, so I no. Can, convince them that i'm right you know but
0: that's constantly that's the battle that's in my head all the time right is you know i always want to be right i always want to be you know that and that comes back to you know addict what i've learned about myself is addiction and low self-esteem stuff i gotta be the rightest right Mm, i gotta be the most informed i got and recognizing that about myself allows me to sometimes hear points of view that i don't like um and i've learned like nowadays like There's certain times I don't get into those conversations and I just leave it alone. Like there's certain people that you just start to go, you know, this isn't really worth going down this road. You know, Facebook isn't the place where I'm going to start arguing with people about treatment pathways and what I call myself and all that other stuff. It's not a discussion. Yeah. Most of the people on there already have a point of view that they're not looking to be right. Opened. You know, they're, they're not trying to have an educated, informed opinion. They're trying to
1: just be angry. Yeah. (laughs) So I I listened to a podcast this week that happened to be, uh, all about the science of changing your mind or other people changing their minds. And it was pretty interesting, even though I got to say the people they interviewed, they definitely, they had the most monotone voices ever. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, seriously, this is so intriguing. And yet you were presenting this terribly. Um, But it it was really super interesting about the process of changing our minds. And it ties into what you were talking about. One of the things I agree with is it's so easy nowadays to limit our surroundings to only people that think like us, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is we think. Like the internet has created such connectivity that even if we think that uh trees should be elected as president we could probably find a group and just surround ourselves with those 300 people that believe yeah. trees should be president right? right and and so we limit our thinking and we don't ever get exposed to the other side and so i really do my best even though i fucking hate some viewpoints and opinions and i definitely super hate some delivery of them um when i see it my initial gut reaction is i'm deleting the fuck out of this person, <laughs> right. right i can't stay in this bullshit anymore but I'm like, you know what? I need to hear the other side because that's I'm like you said, I'm I'm ignorant if I don't know what the other side believes and, and what they're where they're coming from. And I need to hear them out and hear their viewpoints. They might be right. Right. It's doubtful, but they <laughs> yeah, might be right. <laughs> right. right. And I need to hear that. I need room to take in new information and adjust to the way other people think. It's not only the way Jason thinks in this world. Um One thing that drives me crazy. So I'm not going to get in. I'm going to do my best to not, you know, clarify any political viewpoints right here. But people in my house, um, we have some older people who, who watch some political commentary all day long of a particular side. And it drives me fucking bonkers, honestly. Right. I I can't stand hearing it. And it just like permeates into my ears. Anytime (laughs) I walk anywhere near this particular room where they're listening to it. Uh, And and, uh, it just is, Oh my God, it's so much gibberish and chip chat and shut the fuck up. Right. Whatever. Here's the thing that blows my mind though. These two individuals that watch it are really good fucking people. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what I don't get. Right. So I have humanized that people who believe these other beliefs, these are really good people that I don't even understand, honestly, how they believe the shit that they're listening to because that's not how they act in their personal life. And so I I get really confused about how they can be these people on a personal level. And then their political beliefs are like, uh, fuck them all. Right. If they ain't here, kill them or something. I I don't know exactly what it is, but it's just, it's so (laughs) odd. Yeah. to see that but it does help to humanize that these people probably aren't terrible people that believe other things.
0: Yeah, and I've done enough uh I don't know research, I guess you would call it into politics to realize that a lot of that is like just how do you uh advertise and get people out to vote and stir up emotion in mm. people and, as we're seeing with algorithms on Facebook and all that stuff, it's like negativity right. is what breeds that emotion to get people activated to do stuff right. and so, with politics, it's almost become like football teams, you know what I mean like I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan, tried and true, so guess what Pittsburgh Steelers fans are assholes, you know right. what I mean like I hate them i don't need, <laughs> I don't know any of them, but I hate them they're ass and actually, it's funny, I do know. One guy, good friend of mine, you know, that I like the guy a lot, but he's a Pittsburgh fan, so fuck him. You know, right. it's sort of that <laughs> mentality. Um So, you know, with politics, I think it's gone there. It's it's almost like you pick your team and the other teams, you know, fuck them. Yeah.
1: No, I totally agree. Uh so let's just take a break before we get into football conversation <laughs> yeah. and go to go ahead and go to our advertising. <laughs>
0: This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause.
1: All right. Welcome back from the little break. Uh, just to to tie back into the negativity Billy was talking about. Um, you know, you mentioned how negativity stirs up an emotion that we want to share and, and take action for. And, and I agree, like, as being a Ravens fan. I, well, OK, personally, I'm a Ravens fan, but I'm also a football fan. But really, I fucking hate the Patriots. I don't really hate the Steelers. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so if I'm scrolling through Facebook or Twitter and I see... Hey, the Ravens uh did a really cool thing and and you know, bought gifts for these uh, 100 uh, you know, lower socioeconomic status families. I'd be like, "Oh man, that's nice. Maybe I'll like that post, right?" But if I saw like, "Hey, Tom Brady sucks dicks," I'd be like, "Yes, I'm sharing that," right? <laughs> right. Because negativity does breed uh that emotion that makes me want to, "Yeah, fuck them." Right? They're they're terrible. They're the wronger people. They don't right. do it like we do.
0: Yeah, and I think with politics and and that stuff that's what that is motivated by it's like what is what is the call to action um we see some of that negativity in different you know, fellowship sometimes you see one fellowship thinks there's something quote unquote wrong with the other fellowship or those guys do it this way over there and they're right. fucking
1: wrong and we're right. And- I can't tell you how many times I heard that alcoholics had quit drinking in AA but still snorted coke. Oh, like, I, I always I heard still real. smoke weed. but right. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I don't think that's really true for most
0: at least. I, yeah, well, who knows?
1: But, right. you know, it's easy
0: to take that. But, well, I think what that does is it solidifies your commitment to your side. Right. You know what I mean? And then you'll even sort of adapt and address the the more obscure ideas that you might not have been so on board with. You know, let's say you're like a atheist person and you're struggling in recovery, but all of a sudden your your team says, "Well, those guys suck." Look, Carol, they're doing it wrong. And then you get you just strengthen yourself and your beliefs, and hmm. and you'll suck in some of them. Less popular ideas. And, you know, that's what we see in politics all the time. It's like it's easier to. I agree with one or two of the things you're saying. So I'll just adapt the other five because it's easier to hate the other side when I'm all on
1: board. So in politics, that sounds terrible, right? It sounds like I'm changing my morals. But the way you just made that sound, like if I'm struggling in my recovery and now I can hate those bastards over there and get <laughs> right. stronger in my recovery, right. that's almost a good thing, yeah. really. Well, and I think that's what happens
0: with. Like you talked about, like the, the quote unquote NA Nazis or the, you know, right. like that's what is happening there. It's like all of a sudden I'm in. So I'm so in that I'm the protector of all the rules, you yeah. know. And then <laughs> after you're around for a while, you realize you don't need to be the protector of the rules to be in. You don't need what to be. What is it
1: from the crack house to the convent? <laughs> yeah, That's <laughs> right. definitely how I recovered at first.
0: And so, you know, it is, though, that that negativity, you know, stirs up you know, an emotion that calls us to action, you
1: know. Right. That's advocacy, you know. Yeah. Like right? That, that is advocacy. <laughs> it's funny. We just talked about some American football analogies and I was thinking uh we just noticed that we had a couple of Canadian listeners. Uh who might be familiar with American football, but I guess for Canadians we should say something like uh, I'm sorry you had to listen, eh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or something along that line. And then we had like an Australian listener, too. And I guess for that, we just say cunt or oi or something. Don't yeah, oi. I think it's oi. Yeah, oi, cunt. How are you? Uh... Crikey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did I say that? I don't know. I think that's like proper English or uh, something. Uh... <laughs> I'm arriving. Reminds yeah. me of that meme of the English guy having sex. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> sorry. Way off topic. Uh, So to switch it up here a little bit and... and i guess are you done with the stigma language okay um so we're gonna move on i had a i had a using dream last night right and so you know some people call that drug dreams i guess uh people in aa might call that uh drinking dreams i guess (laughs) wet dreams (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah i don't know so anyway i had a using dream last night and it was uh i'm not gonna get too descriptive about how it went um Just because I don't want to like make anybody feel awkward or anything about that. But you know, basically, I I purchased drugs um, and I never got around to the using portion of it. I don't think that I, not that I remember. Um, But I woke up and and as always, I felt weird at first. I was like, ew, like, you know, (laughs) I got that yuck feeling going on and I want to fucking wash it off. And I'm like, why, right? Why am I having a using dream? Does this mean that I want to use? Does this mean that if I'm stuck in a situation where there's drugs, I'm going to use? Because I was definitely all about it in the dream, yeah. right? I wasn't saying no. Um, and there's so there's always that question of: Does a using dream mean that I'm doing something wrong in my recovery, or that I need to address something uh, in my recovery, or I need to put more effort into my recovery? Like, is there a meaning behind it, or is it just? you know i had a fucking dream about something i did before
0: yeah i'm in the camp of it's dreams are just dreams you know i have crazy dreams all the time most of the time i don't remember a lot of my dreams um but i've never put much into them my wife remembers a lot of her dreams and is always telling me her crazy dream stories and what they mean or what she thinks they might mean or what i think they might mean and i never think much about it at all i was Laughing, so I don't remember many dreams, but I remembered one a week ago, where I was like a really like big black guy, and I had just gotten out of jail, <laughs> and I went home to my mom's house, just and she for reference, wouldn't let me in the door. Yeah, just
1: for reference, Billy is not a big black guy. Yeah, I'm it, probably the
0: opposite of all of that. <laughs> um, I'm a skinny, small white guy. So, you know, I. And my mom wouldn't let me in the door because I was some violent criminal. And it was just such a weird, bizarre dream. And then to remember it when I woke up, you know, so I was laughing about that with my wife. But I don't think that means anything. (laughs) You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But to me, like I've had using dreams throughout my life at different times, some the worst ones always seem to be the ones where I actually use, because I always really like it. Right. And, uh, you know, even when I stopped using, I always really liked being high. It was all the other shit I didn't like. So the ones where I actually get high are usually the, the worst dreams for me, where I woke up feeling the worst. Um, but coincidentally, even, you know, we shared about this this morning, like I had a dream where I didn't use... And this was just last night I didn't use, but I had decided I was going to go to another recovery pathway that allows me to use so that I could start socially drinking now because I thought I could do that in my life. You know, and I had like made that decision and was in the dream. I was trying to figure out how I'm going to have that conversation with my wife and what our marriage (laughs) is going to look like after that, how she's going to be with me socially drinking. Right. You know, and it's like, wow, that's crazy. But I don't. That isn't my plan that I woke up and now that I'm sane, you know, so (laughs)
1: right, (laughs) right. I I think it's interesting. So I do kind of, I don't look, I don't give dreams a lot of credence. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, you dreamt that. So this is what that means. We should probably lock you away for 20 years (laughs) or something like, but I do fall into a camp of believing that dreams mean, can mean something. I'll Mm. say that if we want to give them some meaning that they, they can identify some things in our life, maybe some sticking points some repressed thoughts or emotions or something like i kind of buy into that um and so i would say yeah i don't think your dream about your mom not letting you into your house had anything to do with like you being a large black man on the inside <laughs> or or anything along those lines or not being able to go home but there could be some odd connection to the idea that you can't go home again or maybe you struggle somewhere internally subconsciously that you're not living good enough or, you know, it could have a subtle message in there. Um, And I don't think it's a terrible thing to think about. I think it's, you know, like most of the stuff we do in recovery, it's self-awareness, it's introspection, like all of that's usually pretty useful. Even if we find that nothing's wrong, it's just a good idea to take an inventory. It's kind of, I think it's one of our steps, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh I don't, I don't know that it means, I definitely know early on in my recovery, for sure. If I had a use in dream, I was fucking terrified, right? Yeah. Because it, like you said, a lot it's of times scary. I actually used and in the dream and it felt great and I wanted to experience it again. Um, you know, I put this out there on Twitter this morning just because I was curious what other people's thoughts are. And somebody had commented that they believe the opposite. They believe a drug dream means you're like in a really strong place in your recovery uh, because, you know, you're doing so well that something's trying to lead you back. Um, And I kind of, I've heard this idea before and it, I've heard it mostly explained in a, in a Christian based sense. Hmm. And so I like the concept. I'm not a Christian based person. I wish I had a better way to explain (laughs) it other than the devil, honestly, but I don't. But the idea that, the devil doesn't need to come after you if you're already in the devil's on your way, All right. right? So if you're just living a normal life and you're not being tempted to do some shit, you ain't really doing nothing, right? He don't need to come get you. Um, and the Christian idea is that like when you start living on a path to to righteousness or to doing things in a better way, that's when the most temptation's going to come. And so that's just a sign With all this temptation, not a sign that, oh, fuck it, you might as well give up. You're just gonna be super tempted the rest of your life. It's a sign that, hey, you're on the right path because he's scared. He's nervous. He's losing you. He's gotta come get you. I wish I had a not devil way to explain (laughs) that fucking concept (laughs) because I like the concept a lot. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I think in our lives a lot, like I I get this. This is my take on uh, one of the common things we hear in like recovery. You'll hear people say a lot, um, be careful what you pray for because you just might get it. And then people say, oh, I was praying for patience. And then all of a sudden, you know, life went to shit and I needed all this patience. Right. And for me, the truth is, no, it really didn't. What happened was you prayed for patience. So that awareness popped up in your mind and then you became more intuitively aware of all the situations that required patience in your life. Mm -hmm. You weren't called to need more patience. You just your awareness of the amount of patience that you need to apply in your life was there, if that makes sense. Very so, much
1: like the psychological idea that there was like two Jeep commanders on the road until I bought a Jeep commander in 2007. And then there was four thousand eight hundred and sixty four right. Jeep commanders on the road. It's the
0: exact same thing <laughs> right. to me. So like if you're in a place where you feel really good about your recovery and everything's gone well and you're feeling really solid, and you have a drug dream, it's easy to go, you know, oh, it's because of this negative thing you know, and vice versa. Like we, we tend to see a lot of patterns or, or take things as signs that aren't really sign, you know? <laughs> I completely disagree with this, by the way. I'm, I'm all so, in on signs. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's, I, and I heard a guy that was like a statistic or logician, you know, break a lot of this down. And it's that theory of like, if you're driving down a road, You know, and another car is coming at you and then there's a guy on a bike like it always seems like we both cross the bike guy at the exact same time where we're all three in alignment. Like that (laughs) seems to be how it happens every time there if I slow down or speed up or whatever. But really, you don't count all the times that you passed a bicycler on the road that that didn't happen because they're not special.
1: They don't stand out. Is that right? They don't
0: stand out in Mm -hmm. your head. So you just drive past a guy on a bike you know, a thousand times, let's say, and and the one time that another car is coming at the exact same time stands out as some fluke thing. Right. It's that idea.
1: No, I I, I get that. And, and I do know that we stand definitely on uh, opposite sides of the court on, on this, you know, <laughs> uh, re- higher power conversation or how that works. Or, yeah. and, and that's totally cool. Uh, I remember my first sponsor telling me a long, I had like probably fucking... I don't know, five weeks clean. So I didn't know fucking, you know, I didn't know my ass from my elbow, really. Uh, And he was like, hey, so, you know, you're walking down the street and you don't understand this situation going on in your life. And you're just praying for a sign, uh, you know, what to do and which way to go. And you walk down the street and you're standing there and a fucking bird lands like two feet away from your shoulder. And it just is it a sign or is it not? Right. And I was like, huh, I don't know, right? So confused. isn't it? Uh, And he's like, the answer is, if you believe it is, it is. And if you believe it isn't, it isn't. And I'm like, that doesn't make any fucking sense, right? And either it is a sign or it isn't. And he's like, no, if you believe it's a sign, it is a sign from God. Because you believe it is, and it's going to guide you in the way you need to go. He's right. like, and if you believe it's just a fucking bird two feet away from your shoulder, then it's just a bird two feet away from your shoulder. <laughs> right. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy, right? But I, I get that concept and yeah. I so I do believe in signs. I think my life is always guided and, and to put me in a place where I'm supposed to be. Not so much that I'm just kind of living and things happen. Yeah, and see for me,
0: when I talk about like an eleventh step in prayer and meditation the whole basis of prayer and meditation for me is to make sure that my awareness and my consciousness is stirred up for all the positive things that i want in my life so that i can practice them and and become aware of situations where they're needed you know right. and those kind of things like i'm not praying that some deity outside of me gives me something i'm praying that i become aware of these powers and these forces acting in the world so that i can act in accordance with them
1: so uh, can you hear us breathing on the podcast when you listen no. i feel like Mm-mm. i breathe really loud but i'm excited i don't know no. that's funny because i was talking about uh i'm really like just amped up this morning i was like must have been that fucking drug dream got me You're all right. rested or something i don't know um so last you know, like, whatever it was, nine days ago, a couple weeks ago. Oh, I'm not vaping still, by the way, for anybody who cares. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm why you're not all amped vaping. up. <laughs> it might be. I wasn't amped up yesterday. I don't know. Um, So, I rated right those last couple of days of vaping, right, I, I knew I was going to quit. I knew when the juice ran out, it was over. And I was fucking nervous, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm praying about it. I'm like, dude, look, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I'm scared. This has been... 20 years of smoking, four and a half years of vaping. Like, I'm fucking nervous to not have this crutch, right? This Suboxone for cigarettes or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Like, what do I do? Um, And the thought occurred through talking to some people like, hey, if every time you think about vaping, you remember to pray, then thinking about vaping now becomes a positive in your life. You're right. It's Mm -hmm. reminding you to talk to your higher power. It's no longer a negative. Um, And so those couple days leading up, My son came to me on two different days. The last two days I vaped because I had told my family and he said, man, uh, I thought you were going to quit that. Right. (laughs) And if, I don't know, I've just always heard that whole God works through people and all that stuff. And I'm like, if there was ever God's words coming in my direction, I mean, hear it from a 10 year old boy. Right. Right. I just, I don't know. To me, that was fucking God. And that was a sign. And those, Two days after I quit, when my brain was saying, oh, my fucking God, this is dumb. Go pick up a vape at the store and get some juice and do this thing. The voice of my son saying, I thought you were going to quit, wouldn't stop ringing in my head. And I'm like, man, that's a fucking sign to me. I don't know what you want to call (laughs) it. To me, that was a sign and I went with it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I've said a lot in in recovery, like I am always you know, jealous of the people that have this absolute faith in a higher power. And you hear them share and say, Oh, I know my God. And I'm straight, you know, and I'm just like, Oh, you suck. You know, like, I wish, (laughs) like, I wish I could take that from you and just have it. Like, I would love to have that level of confidence, you know, about that. And, you know, we had talked about this morning. So, you know, with, financial situations we've been struggling and I've been working all this extra to try to make extra money so that we make sure the bills are paid and all this stuff. And my wife is like, she doesn't care. She's still planning trips places and saying, Oh, you know, maybe this summer we'll take our camper and we'll put it somewhere down the beach for the summer. So we have a summer place to go. And, you know, she just, she doesn't have that same, uh, worry or concern over finances that I do. And I get angry because she just has a faith that it'll work out. It'll be fine. And if we do it, it, things will get paid and, you know, Mm -hmm. life will go on. And like, I don't share that, (laughs) you know, I wish I did. I wish I had that faith to be like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just call the place and, Set the camper there and we'll give them a couple hundred bucks and we'll figure it out as it goes. And we will and it'll get paid and things, you know, because we're responsible people and we'll do what we have to do to get it. Um, But to me, like that whole concept of just trusting that things are going to be okay, just
1: for the sake of being okay, is difficult. You know, a lot of times uh, for me, uh, I still struggle with that anxiety. Right. I can. Um, But a lot of times for me, past experience helps me a lot. So one place I noticed it a lot uh, in college, like writing papers, I wait till the last fucking day or the last minute I can. Like if if it's due Sunday and the last free day I got Thursday, it shits getting written Thursday. Right. And I just cannot help myself most of the time. There's been a couple times I deviated and did it early, but it's very super fucking rare. But I stress the shit out of it up until the moment it gets written. Right. So even though. It's due on a Sunday, and I'm writing it on a Sunday, and it's getting done. The two weeks leading up to that Sunday have been two weeks filled with anxiety-filled days of, (laughs) God damn it, Jason, why aren't you writing your fucking paper? You could be. You're sitting here doing nothing. Um, And it actually took me like five fucking years of school to finally be at peace where it was like, all right, uh, I write these last minute, and that's just what the fuck I do. And it will get done. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to stress it. I, it gets done every fucking time. I'm a 4.0 student. I haven't not turned one in yet. Like, just yeah. get the fuck over yourself and be all right until you write it. That being said, it, it's still, it's hard, man. I don't know. Like, I, I I look at, you know, I know your wife and I know some of her ventures. And it could be argued that even though she believes these things will just work out, they don't always just no. work out. The, <laughs> not for the picture she has. right? But. I would argue counter that they do always work out
0: yeah they and that's still she here that's always her point is like God's got a plan and this just wasn't it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like and you know things are gonna happen but it just might not be with me you know in the picture or whatever and <laughs> I don't know it's I, I struggle with that but you know signs and and stuff like that I used to believe a lot in that I used to put a lot of stock into to that like right. signs from god and signs from a higher power and and uh i don't know somewhere along the way i i sort of i think listening to too many like logician type people and people that explain away mysteries <laughs> like
1: that, that'll, that'll ruin the magic of god in your life <laughs> which is funny to me right because uh so i i used to be more aligned with christianity right but i i did notice that the deeper I tried to believe with it, the less I really had the faith of it. Mm-hmm. So I kept it real. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me too. exactly right. that path. So I kept it surfacey for a long time, and then eventually, at some point, I just had some other, uh, another deeper spiritual awakening, I guess. Um, and it led to just a different understanding than Christianity, I guess, for me. And so, but what I found is everything i've learned like sciencey wise or physics or any kind of intellectual information that's come into my life has only like deepened my belief in a higher power and <laughs> I, it's just the exact opposite of what i hear people say about it like when we learned about you know physics and the the big bl- the big bang and and all this stuff and i'm like that makes my spirituality make perfect fucking sense to me right like why in the world was all the energy in the universe in one singular fucking spot before the Big Bang. There's no reason for that, right. except that it was God, right? That that made perfect sense to me. There's no other fucking reason for all the energy in the universe to all be in one spot. Mm. What, it, it liked itself that much? Like, no, right? And then it all exploded outward and created life. Imagine that. It makes perfect. I don't know. I Logician, lo, logistics and logic don't take me away from God, I guess. And it's so they don't rule out my belief. So like with
0: the big bang theory, the first thing I usually think with most of that is, well, that's just the best theory they got going. And right. what we figured out most about space is everything we thought we knew five years before <laughs> that was completely wrong. Absolutely. And as soon as we learned something new, we go, Oh shit, we had all this wrong for the last <laughs> 40 years. We believed it was this way. We learned this new thing and figured out that shit's all wrong. And right. we were completely wrong. And so now we developed a new theory. So anyway, I don't know that I even fully buy the Big Bang theory. I mean, I get it. I understand what they're talking about. And sure, now you're shaking my face. Yeah, right now I just rocked your (laughs) face. But, and that's, you know, like with God or higher power stuff, it's like, I'm not saying there's not. I don't think it's impossible. I'm not a like God hater, you know, like (laughs) nothing like that. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, I mean, I believe that could be a thing. And, you know, like I'm totally okay with it. I don't feel a point to like argue you know some negative side about it um I just to have my understanding of like faith in that is this unshakable belief that it's just gonna happen and that's the part that I get hung up on like I don't have an unshakable belief that anything's gonna happen you know we you know we say oh the sun will come up tomorrow well, I don't know did you you know what was it last year or so ago where they almost had the uh in Hawaii where the nuclear bomb thing went off and, you know, they thought a nuclear bomb might be coming and, you know, any dumb little, I mean, if anything, that should tell people how fucking shaky (laughs) we are with having a future because it could have, that could have easily went sideways, you know, really quickly. And there's been a few different instances like that over the years that we actually don't, well, they're out there. If you research them, you can find out we've actually almost come to shoot nuclear bombs at, people a couple times right um in our history and like those kind of things you know just lead me to believe like we aren't
1: guaranteed there is no guarantees here of anything <laughs> yeah and i think i guess that's where the faith for me is is less about any particular outcome and more just that it'll be all right even if that all rightness is a uh, well, fucking a nuclear bomb dropped on my house and i'm not here anymore i guess that's all right i don't have yeah. to worry about it <laughs> right like it's just more of a sense. It'll be okay somehow. And and exactly the way it's supposed to be. And I, I think that's where my liking to be the rightest of the right, uh, mm. comes into play because you can't argue that it's not always the way it's supposed to be because it is obviously right. Like how can you argue that what is, shouldn't be, It it just is.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well then I think, yeah, if I woke up, you know, let's say tomorrow and got Whatever accused of some murder that I didn't commit and ended up in jail. Like, do I think I would be okay? Well, yeah, I'd probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I know how to survive or manage that situation, but that isn't, I'm supposed to believe that some kind of deities will for me. You know, it's ah, like those yeah. kind of things where I get, cause that happens to people. It you does. know, <laughs> like it that does, shit happens yeah. to people. And you hear about these people being in jail for 40 years and, You know, DNA cleared them of whatever murder or whatever rape and you know, they get out and those are the issues that I get hung up on.
1: And look, I'd love to say that, you know, uh if that happens, that there is something that you need to go through to like or learn from that experience to guide you in your life, right? But that's what I want to say when that shit happens to you. (laughs) Right when it happens to me. That's gonna hurt my goddamn feelings. And, and I will try to apply my understanding of, of my higher power to it, right? I'll try to say, hey, this is, this must be where I'm supposed to be for some reason, because that is my belief. But it, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy or it's not going to hurt me to fucking be in the situation. That's going to suck ass for sure. Mm-hmm. Framed for something horrible. Yeah. So the email we got uh, from, you know, Brittany was about, um, her struggle with uh, understanding her higher power and how she's really not a fan of calling it God because she believes praying to God is almost like being a child and asking not to be judged or scolded. Mm -hmm. And I, I get that. I'm not a, personally a big fan of the God word either. I use it because it's three letters and one syllable and really easy to say. Um, I don't like the connotation that it gives people. Cause I think you say God and everybody just thinks Jesus and that's <laughs> yeah. not what I'm trying to get right. across. At
0: least in this country. Yeah. Right.
1: And she mentioned going to, uh, you know, a different kind of environment and hearing a uh, great spirit. And she said that gave her like freedom to feel like she was really praying to, something that was maybe not so much an equal, but just something she could talk to from a place of being an adult and loving and and kindness and compassion. And I thought that was interesting that the word again, back to the stigmatizing language or how language changes the way we feel about something like her belief in a higher power didn't change whatsoever, calling it God or great spirit, but the way she felt about it completely changed. So that's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah so i don't really have
1: a lot more on that no I no i don't <laughs> either I, I guess uh we're all done talking about st- what are we talk stigmatizing language yeah. and, and football language. apparently and <laughs> and then oh, oh using dreams yeah i don't know we'll have to figure out a title for this shit <laughs> oh yeah this one's all over the place yeah but no uh i definitely had fun today uh we'd love to hear any of your comments or, or, or things you'd like to add in. I, I think that really gives us even more talking points. I love to hear different opinions. Um, but if you don't have nothing else, I guess we'll wrap it up for today. No, I'm good. Awesome. Uh, everybody have a great week. We'll see you soon. That wraps up this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred platform. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, Email us at recovery of at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at recovery of.